This chapter contains depictions of sexual violence. Listener discretion is advised. Darker Days of Dorothy Gale Chapter 7 The Trials of Tipitarius Years 20 to 30 Before the Wizard B.T.W. Tipitarius was raised under the guidance of Mombi the Wicked. His childhood was not that of a happy child. Some might even argue that it was not a childhood at all, but more of a life experience. A surreal existence of pain and torture. There were days when Mombi seemed to love Tip. A little too much, if love is what you wanted to call it, which Tip did not. There were days when Mombi seemed to hate him. Almost too much. Although even a little hate is too much for a child. Both kinds of days were equally horrific. He was a lonely child. Mombi never bore any children of her own and oftentimes took the frustration of her own infertility out on the boy. She once told him he was adopted. Well, perhaps adopted is not the best word. Purchased. On the good days, she told him she was happy to have received him. On the bad days, she seemed to almost lament her purchase, with a certain air of buyer's remorse. It was at the age of ten, on a calm fall day, when Tip decided he was not going to spend another day as an only child under the rule of Mombi. Today, he was going to make a new friend, and he knew just how to go about it. Tip wandered into the woods and gathered the largest fallen branches he could find. He dragged them back to his home, and with the sharpest knife he could find, he began carving. After several hours of studious and surprisingly laborious work, he had created the body of a large marionette. With a great deal of pride, he sat it upright in a chair before stepping back to admire his work. Yes he said to himself. I think that should work just fine. He ran to the front door and peeked out, making sure Mombi was nowhere to be seen. She had a habit of leaving him home alone for extended periods of time. She also had a habit of returning at the most inopportune times as well. On more than one occasion, she returned amid Tip's abhorrent undertakings. One time she caught him tormenting a nearby tree with a torch made of one of its own branches. 
the resulting punishment for that was particularly lenient. She stripped him bare and threw him into the forest. Do what you will, she cackled. But do not kill him. After that day, Tip had formed a very deep respect for the forest and its trees. On another occasion, she found Tip in the cellar with the half-decayed carcass of a gumpling on a rickety homemade altar. When she asked what he was doing, he lied and said, Nothing, I swear. In fact, he was trying to call forth the spirits of his unknown ancestors. The gumpling was some sort of ritual sacrifice. The punishment for this was particularly brutal. Momby made him drag the carcass up the stairs and out the front door. She then tied one end of a long rope around his neck and the other to one of the hind legs of the dead animal. Stay, boy, she said as she vanished back inside the house. Tip obeyed. When she returned, she had in her hand a small container. In it was a fine white powder. Tip watched curiously as she sprinkled it lightly on the creature's corpse. His eyes never left Momby, even as she stepped back and looked down at the animal. Several seconds passed, and just as Tip was about to ask what she was doing, the gumpling's leg began to twitch. Its nose began to wiggle, and from the depths of what remained of its stomach came a low, gurgling sound. Blood sprayed from its mouth as it coughed and sneezed almost simultaneously. It opened its eyes, showing nothing but white until they rolled back into place. It ambled to its feet, stumbling like a newborn fawn at first. Once it regained its composure, it became frightened and panicked, hollering and screaming as it began to run. As it took off through the forest, Tip watched the rope as it unwound. He watched it curiously at first, not fully grasping what was happening, almost mesmerized by the way the rope was coming undone. I would brace myself if I were you, said Momby, as the rope's coil was nearly entirely undone. What? asked Tip, breaking from his temporary hypnosis. Before Momby had a chance to answer, the rope lost its slack and Tip fell to the ground. He screamed as the gumpling dragged him through the forest, crashing into trees, pulling him through the mud and filth, and raking him over the jagged rocks and through the thorny bramble. This entire ordeal lasted well over an hour before the gumpling finally collapsed out of sheer exhaustion and died once more. When he returned home, his clothes were shredded and almost non-existent. His body was bloodied and bruised. He was lucky to be alive. He found Mom be waiting patiently for him, a rope flail in her left hand, tipped with nine blood knots. Take hold, boy, 
she said as she extended the flail. Tip obeyed morosely. His arms and hands were shaky and weak. He knew of this item. He knew what he was in for. And he knew it would only be that much worse if he did not do as he was told. Mombi led him through the house and into the cellar. On your stomach, boy, she said as she pointed to the altar, still soaked with the gump's drying blood. Tip hesitated. On your stomach, boy, insisted Mombi. Tip obeyed. The blood was coagulated and tacky. As he laid on his stomach, he could feel himself sticking to the altar, and with every movement he could hear the thin pulling of his flesh as it separated from the sticky surface. Mombi remained silent as she lashed the child with a flail, each knot striking the boy's flesh in extremely rapid succession. Tip could not be certain, but he thought he heard her laugh a few times as the knots tore into him. Mombi finally let up after thirty-four strikes. The welts and lacerations that covered his body remained visible for months, and the physical pain for years. The mental anguish lasted a lifetime. The darkness that surrounds you, child, is not to be toyed with. On the third occasion, Mombi returned home to find a young girl in her bedroom. The girl's arms and legs were bound to the four posts of the bed. Her body was lacerated and her eyes swollen shut. She stared at the girl curiously for a moment, before a completely naked tip, unknowing of Mombi's return, re-entered the room with the same rope flail she had used on him so many times in the past. The punishment for this act of inhumanity was, in fact, the worst punishment Mombi ever doled out. She sat Tip in the corner of the room and looked him in the eyes. Everything I do, she said solemnly, I do for the betterment of you. Now, watch. She then turned to the bed and approached the girl. Tip watched uncomfortably for three hours as Mombi slowly finished what he started. When she was done, she forced him to drag the lifeless body out of the house much like she did with the gumpling before. Once they were a good distance away from the front door, Mombi handed Tip a shovel. Dig, child, she said, and Tip obeyed. Once the girl was buried, Mombi handed him a heavy wooden cross. Along with the cross, she gave him a mallet. He looked up at his adoptive mother. Silently asking, What do you want me to do with this? 
You know what to do, boy, said Mombi. He looked back to the grave. The patch of freshly cultivated dirt took on a deeply ominous appearance in the moon's soft light. Do it! Mombi screamed. Tip placed the cross at the top of the grave. Before he could begin planting it, Mombi interrupted once more. Not there, she said. There. And she pointed to the center of the grave. Tip hesitated for only a second before obeying his cruel master. Placing it to the center of the grave, he pushed it down with his hands until it stopped. He looked at Mombi once more, pleading with his eyes for her not to make him do this. It won't go any deeper, he said, in hopes that Mombi would change her mind. That's what the mallet is for, said Mombi. Please, Tip said quietly. Go on, said Mombi. No grave should ever go unmarked. Tip pounded the cross into the ground. There was a crunch as it pierced the girl's dead body. The ground beneath the cross turned red and became spongy as blood flowed from beneath. Once the marker had been driven completely through the girl, Mombi took her place behind Tip. She placed a gentle hand on his left shoulder, and with her right hand she took the mallet. Tip felt a moment of relief, a strange moment of comfort. He looked up at her, hoping to finally receive the forgiveness he so desperately wanted. If you want to sleep with little girls, said Mombi, then by all means, sleep. She pulled a twelve-inch rope from the satchel she had slung around her body, and with it tied Tip's hands to the base of the cross. He spent the next three days and nights tied to the grave of the child he mercilessly raped and abused. The child Mombi murdered, only after doing the same. Upon seeing the coast was clear, Tip placed his hands in his pockets and rifled through their contents. They were full of small rocks, twigs, and bugs. Finally, he found what he was looking for. A small silver key. He made the key himself one day while Mombi was out, though he rarely used it. It was the key to the lock on Mombi's bedroom door. In her bedroom was what he would need to bring his friend to life. The same powder Mombi used before to bring the gumpling back to life. The powder was tucked away in an old apothecary desk in the corner of her bedroom. The desk was locked, though this lock was nothing to worry about. The key to the bedroom also fit the desk. Upon returning to his large puppet, he took the small canister and emptied half its contents into his left hand. He held it out, palm up, in front of his face, and took in a deep breath. 
He stopped himself before he could blow it and quietly returned the contents to its container. Almost forgot, said Tip. You won't be much use to me if you don't have a head. And with that, Tip set out to the back of the property, where a large rogue pumpkin patch had sprouted some time ago. He picked the largest one he could carry and took it inside. He set it on the dinner table and went to work with the same knife he used to create the marionette's body earlier in the day. With blade in hand, Tip carved a face into the pumpkin. Two large triangles for eyes, one small triangle for a nose, and a large toothy grin. The top of the grin consisted of two well-placed and well-spaced square teeth. The bottom of the grin had a single rectangular tooth, designed to fit perfectly into the space between the two top teeth. Carving a pumpkin was something relatively new to the boy. In fact, he had never done it before in his life. This lack of experience caused him to neglect the act of opening the pumpkin's top and scooping out its innards. This, of course, caused the pumpkin guts to spill out of its eyes, nose, and mouth in a decidedly grotesque fashion. Tip laughed a little at the sight of this. He did not mind the grossness. Instead, he rather liked it. It added character. Once the pumpkin was carved and done, he placed it on the sharpened stake-like neck of the marionette's body and turned it to face him. Perfect, he said as he reached into his pockets once again for the small canister. Same as before, he emptied half the powder into his left hand and held it palm up before taking a deep breath. With one large blow, the powder created a cloud of dust that over time settled onto the pumpkin man's body. <laughs>